following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of... Yeah, it's that bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Kevin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? What that boils down to is that we look at movies that are on Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2010's The Expendables, directed by Sylvester Stallone, starring Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, Randy Couture, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Terry Crews, Mickey Rourke, and Bruce Willis. The Expendables is the 2000 2010 ensemble action film. This movie currently holds a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Barney Ross leads The Expendables, a band of highly skilled mercenaries, including knife enthusiast Lee Christmas, martial arts expert Yin Yang. (laughs) (laughs) It was Yin Yang? I missed that. Heavy weapons specialist Hail Caesar, demolitionist Toll Road, and loose cannon sniper Gunner Jensen. These were their names? Yeah. <laughs> when the group is commissioned by the mysterious Mr. Church to assassinate the merciless dictator of a small South American island, Barney and Lee head to the remote locale to scout out their opposition. Once there, they meet with local rebel Sandra and discover the true nature of the conflict engulfing the city. When they escape the island and Sandra stays behind, Ross must choose to either walk away and save his own life or attempt a suicidal rescue mission that might just save his soul. Okay. Is that what happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had no idea they had these names. I yeah. didn't know what anyone's name was in this thing except for Christmas. I remembered that. Yeah, Gunnar Jensen. <laughs> what? You don't know about Yin Yang? No, I had no idea his name was Yin Yang. <laughs> Whole Road? Yeah. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> Okay, the Expendables. <laughs> okay, the Expendables. As you notice, we're one man down. If the Expendables were here, they would say that they never leave a man behind. But we just kicked our man out the door <laughs> on Sarah's balls. We told him to get the hell out of here. <laughs> Take a hike, bro. Yeah. So Martin walks in here, disease riddled. You could actually see the disease. Yeah, cause he had a germ cloud swarming around his head. He looked- gonna die his head looked like a bruised grapefruit the way it kind of crushes it in upon itself he looked like that like he was dying he had six inches of crust coming out of his eyes <laughs> he looked a mess i can't believe he even drove himself here to yeah it's at bad world headquarters yeah <laughs> we're gonna have to install those germ detectors that they had in ultraviolet to make sure riffraff don't get in here anymore. we definitely need those hand sanitizer machines at we gotta all, disinfect this entire place at all 12 entrances to the building i, I might as well just light this place on fire just to cut my losses. Just, just treat this away. place like the fort at the end of the Expendables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In place, 700 C4 packages <laughs> around the building. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that bad world headquarters has been contaminated. Martin came in here. He looked like he was dying. He's like, I'm so sick, guys. I, I've, I've come to record. We both just pointed at the door and said, get the hell out of here. <laughs> and he walked out with his tail between his legs. Yeah, pretty much. That sums it up. He wanted to play, but. He did. He, yeah, he was, he was trying to be a trooper. Yeah, but you know, when you come to Yes, that bad world headquarters, you got to bring your A game. For sure. Now, unlike me, who has recorded 20,000 of these podcasts while sick, yeah. I did it with grace and dignity. It's a real classless move on his part, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he should know better. <laughs> he has no right. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, The Expendables. This movie marks a milestone in Yes, That Bed world history. It sure does. This is our very first sponsored episode, sponsored by longtime listener Jenny, a.k.a. Buxomia. She left a little voicemail detailing why she wanted us to view this movie. I'll play that for you right now. To listen to your messages, press 1. Hi, Joel, Martin, and Kevin. It's Jenny, a.k.a. Buxomia, and I just took the initiative to donate... I thought the first Expendables would be a good one because I went into that not wanting to see it or like it, but I had a great time. And now with Chuck Norris in the second one and, you know, Chris Hemsworth looking all sexy, I think that it's just going to be a super fun experience. I think you guys would have a great time reviewing it. And I expect five out of five stars on both of these. So donating was the easiest decision ever because you guys brings so much entertainment it's like the least I could do and you know I've loved you since I'd say episode four so keep it going get rid of that Behringer switch to Adobe Audition for the love of God and I can't wait to hear more from you guys and I can't wait to hear my name on air so have a good one love you as always Luxomia signing off End of new messages. Okay, Kevin, The Expendables, what is your history with this? I have no history with this. I never saw this movie, so I'm coming in a Expendables virgin. I never wanted to see this movie. I remember when it came out and I saw the trailers and I heard about it. I was like, you know what? I don't want anything to do with this. I am not the audience for this. I knew that they were trying to make an 80s movie, Mm -hmm. but in modern day. So I understood the concept. But growing up, I never watched these kind of movies. Like I don't like Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. I never grew up watching any of them. I don't have any nostalgia for this stuff. I just don't care. What about like Rambo? I've seen them but they don't hold a place in my heart really. Mm. What about you? Yeah, you lo- I, I, on, on Deadly Ground, you love that stuff? Uh, First Blood's a great movie. Hard Target? Mando? You love any movie that has Dennis Rodman in it? Absolutely. Or DMX? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have the entire DMX collection. <laughs> okay, so let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one <laughs> and we'll see how you thought they did. Okay, first up, Sylvester Stallone. I gotta admit, Stallone's back in a big way. He melted my heart, my icy stone heart. Was this Sylvester Stallone or was this a man wearing a plastic (laughs) Sylvester Stallone mask? Well, you careful what you say. <laughs> Let's just say that all the HGH hasn't treated him well over the years. Yeah. And he looks like a freak, right? I mean, his face just looks strange. He looked like he was 120 years old. Yeah, but he was ripped. He had breasts. See how cut that guy was? He didn't have pecs. He had breasts. All right, let's get this out of the way. Sylvester Stallone, how many beefs? One. <laughs> one out of five beefs? Yeah, one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Matthew Broderick gets a two. Yes. Sylvester Stallone gets a one out of five beefs. He gets a one. Oh my god Because What an insult Your boy has got a goatee And for sure he's dying it You're dying your goatee Oh yeah I'm sorry That's it you're, you're, <laughs> We're cutting at least one off Your beefcake Just level. for men I'm not, I'm not accepting it Wow <laughs> What if it was patchy and yellow He was running around <laughs> In this in this movie And he looked like He looked like that old man From Godzilla Running on the dock <laughs> So he wrote this movie, he directed it, and he acted in it. We're talking about actors, but we need to get this out of the way. This is the worst script ever. (laughs) Bottom line, the worst script. And by that, I mean, this is the worst dialogue I've ever heard in a movie. That's amazing. I think the opposite, quite frankly. Are you kidding me? (laughs) You're kidding me right now, right? 
You're for real? For real. In the beginning, okay, the first, I would say 30 minutes, I really liked the snappy dialogue that they had back to each other. I was laughing. I was sitting here. I was moving. I was grooving <laughs> to the beats. I was laughing it up. You don't think this was funny? No, I didn't. That's shocking. In the From the word go, I was laughing at some of the stuff they were saying. You're serious? I went into this movie, well, like, I don't want to foreshadow my <laughs> review here, but I went into this thing with negative 10 billion expectations, mm-hmm. and the fact that Jenny picked this as her sponsored movie filled me with incalculable dread. <laughs> I would have rather have dove in front of a train than watch this movie. I was not looking forward to this. But within the first 10, 15 minutes, it had me laughing. All right, well, we'll go into more detail on this later, but whatever. I'm shocked. All right. I'm shocked. I'm appalled. Looking, I'm looking forward to this review. All right. Okay, so Stallone, we're at an impasse here, but we can both agree. Jason Statham. He was good. I, en- I enjoyed him. He played Jason Statham again. Had a great job. And it was believable, <laughs> right? Yeah. Out of everyone in this little group, he's the most believable as someone that could actually be one of these mercenary people. Agreed. Agreed. Finally, some common ground. He has that perfect shaped head, as they point out in this movie. He sure does. Can you ever go wrong with a Jason Statham? A really good question. He's consistently a three out of five, right? You put him in a movie, it's almost always going to be a three. Yeah. Because Has he been in a romantic comedy? Because I can't think of any. I can't think of any either. So you, you plop him in a movie, and he's going to elevate the material, right? To at least a three? Mm, yeah, probably. That's a good guy to have in your movie, right? Yeah. It's worth the money. Next up, I feel like as if we can just lump together almost all these people into one, because because they almost did nothing. This was the Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham movie. Even though they sold it as being this huge collection of all these dudes, yeah. it really was only the two of those guys. The other guys, they just were in the background. They barely said anything at all. Mm-hmm. Jet Li. He barely said anything. Yeah, he just kept yapping about his family needing more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got five kids to feed. Yeah. Dolph Lundgren. I'm going to give him some credit. Yes. He was acting. Yes. Not many people are acting in this movie. I haven't seen him since Rocky IV. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch his straight-to-DVD stuff. <laughs> I don't care. But yeah, he, he surprised me. Of he all impressed the people, me. He, he was a surprise to yep, me. Completely agree. I didn't think he could do anything. Mm-hmm. But he, he surprised me in this. Randy Couture. I mean, he's, he's not an actor. Yeah, he's going to join his buddy from the A-team. He had a few lines. They weren't bad. Better than Rampage was. Yeah. We can both agree to disagree on that. Okay. Oh, now this guy was a breath of fresh air. When he came on the screen, I did a backflip. Then I took a, a can of beer. I snapped it open. I started throwing it around the room <laughs> in honor of Stone Cold Steve Austin. If only they could have gotten Vince McMahon in this movie, this would have been perfect. Why wasn't he the Eric Roberts character? (laughs) Can you please explain that to me? That's a mistake, right? Why didn't they get McMahon in this? It would have been perfect. Oh, man. Sean McMahon as a sidekick? Just just from the money it would have made on WWE fans going, it would have been worth it alone, right? Stephanie McMahon as the general's daughter? For sure. Oh, man. It could have brought John Cena and the Rockin'. They could have been on the Expendables team. Oh my god! Why wasn't the entire Expendables just wrestlers? Why isn't this big man doing this right now? <laughs> he makes his own Expendables. Yeah, why don't we have this? This is outrageous! I want The Rock as a mercenary going into third world countries, <laughs> cracking jokes, killing dictators. I'd be amazing. Make it so. You'd be there opening weekend, right? We're gonna have to get Yes at Bad World Headquarters Hollywood division on this, right? Connecticut division. Oh, yeah. Because WWE's the- in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Titan Sports. <laughs> Okay, next up, Terry Crews. Triumphant return of Terry Crews. Not since Gamer have I seen (laughs) such a ruthless killer. I hope everyone just took their shot. (laughs) (laughs) You're playing along with the drinking game, I hope. (laughs) Gamer. 
Love this guy. Love, love, love. Now and forever always. Love Terry Crews. Big fan. He wasn't in it enough. No, he was not. Barely in this. That's the biggest sin of this movie. Not enough Terry Crews. He, he wasn't in it until the last, like, ten minutes. It's the biggest waste, right? Yeah. He had this power player uh-huh. and you squander him. Yep. Next up, Mickey Rourke. He didn't have anything fun to do. Was he fresh off of Iron Man 2 or something? Yeah, he, he had looked just like been. that character. Yeah, yeah, he had to have been. He was supposed to be acting. His role demanded acting, right? I mean, he yes. was just kind of, of there talking. Of all the people, yeah, he was supposed he, to be He wasn't acting. doing any a- uh, action or anything, so. He was just hanging out. Yeah, he was all right. I mean, he played that part. I think he was just being himself, to be honest. This definitely felt like one of those hangout movies where the all these stars get together just so they can hang out with their buddies. Yeah, just like Valentine's Day. <laughs> I accept that. All right, sure. <laughs> Okay, and finally, Bruce Willis. What'd you think of this guy? I mean, he was he was in it so briefly, but when hella, he was in it, yeah. a breath of fresh air. That scene in particular that he was in, I mean, that was just a show. Those three guys, Bruce Willis stood head and shoulders above the other two clowns <laughs> that were in the room with him. Wow. <laughs> Whoa, really? Yeah. That's amazing. You know what? I accept that. That's right. I agree with that. Those two dudes? Yeah. Yeah. Willis showed him how it was done. He sure did. Put a clinic on. Yeah, he's like a modern day Michael Sheen. He's really blowing him away. <laughs> okay, that's pretty much it. Let's get into the brief history of The Expendables. Screenwriter David Callahan pitched The Expendables to a producer at Warner Brothers. His draft of the screenplay eventually drew the attention of Sylvester Stallone, who took control of the project and rewrote the script. Jean-Claude Van Damme was personally offered a role by Stallone, but turned it down because he felt there was no substance or development to the character. Stallone said that Van Damme told him that he should be trying to save people in South Central. At the premiere of the film, Stallone claimed to have been speaking to Van Damme over the phone, and he said, I told you! To which Van Damme concurred and expressed his regret over not participating. The role of Hale Caesar was initially conceived as a role for Stallone's Demolition Man co-star Wesley Snipes, but later rewritten for Forrest Whitaker. Due to a scheduling conflict prior to filming, Whitaker was replaced by 50 Cent before the part of Hail Caesar finally went to former NFL player Terry Crews. Steven Seagal was asked to make a cameo appearance, but turned it down due to experiences with producer Abby Lerner. Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Ben Kingsley, and Ray Liotta were all considered for the role of James Monroe before Stallone's The Specialist co-star Eric Roberts was eventually cast in the role. By May 2009, the script had undergone a number of rewrites. Stallone's Demolition Man co-star Sandra Bullock was rumored to have a role in the film, but revealed that she did not even know about the project. Despite the news, she did express interest in working in another action film and would have liked to appear in the film, depending on the storyline. The role of the man who hires the Expendables, Mr. Church, was difficult to cast. Schwarzenegger was offered the role, but instead appeared as fellow mercenary leader Trent Mauser. The role was offered to Kurt Russell, whose agent replied that he was not interested in ensemble acting at the moment. Stallone spent several months after principal photography determined to find a big action name for the part. Rumors suggested that the role had been offered to friend and fellow former Planet Hollywood co-owner Bruce Willis, who was busy filming Cop Out. Willis's casting as Mr. Church was confirmed by August 2009, as was the fact that he would appear in a scene with both Stallone and Schwarzenegger. The film marks Arnold Schwarzenegger's first film in six years. He last appeared in Disney's Around the World in 80 Days. Schwarzenegger did his cameo for free. This is the first film that Sylvester Stallone has directed since Staying Alive that doesn't include his characters John Rambo or Rocky Balboa. This is the third film that Jason Statham and Jet Li have starred in together. They previously starred in The One and War. Director and star Sylvester Stallone sustained 14 injuries making this movie, including breaking a tooth, rupturing his ankle, getting a 
hairline fracture in his neck that required the surgical insertion of a metal plate. He also had bronchitis and shingles during the shoot. This is the first time that Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Bruce Willis have appeared in a film together in any combination. The three action megastars are longtime friends, even working together with Willis's ex-wife Demi Moore as original venture capitalists and promoters of the Planet Hollywood restaurant and casino chain. Kevin, how much does this make worldwide? $250 million. That's really good. $274 million. Okay, so The Expendables actually surprisingly does not start with a flashback. Nope. Does not start with text or a narration. Mm-mm. It just starts with, with action. A, with action, with a scene. This and Saw are really bucking the trend. Uh-huh. I mean, it's refreshing to actually have a movie start when it begins, right? <laughs> Wait a minute. No flashback? No narration? Where's the text? How am I supposed to know what's happening here? <laughs> no one's explicitly telling me what I'm supposed to be thinking and feeling at this moment. So the movie starts off with the Expendables, who are this, yet again, another ragtag team. I'm so sad that Martin's not here. <gasps> yeah, poor Martin. He, he did loves wa- ragtag teams. Although he did watch the movie, and he, he did. did come here with notes, so at least we can walk away happy knowing that he had to watch another ragtag team movie. He was itching to talk about this movie. He too. really was, but he, he tapped out. He couldn't take it anymore. Okay, so it starts out with the Expendables, who are a ragtag team of mercenaries, soldiers of fortune, and they're on a job to rescue hostages that have been taken by Somali pirates, I guess they are. Yeah. The pirates grab some of the hostages. They got guns to their heads. And the Expendables, they're, they're all pros at this, right? They're like talking to each other. Ah, I'll get the two guys on the left. You get those two guys on the right. Uh, they're taking this thing pretty lightly, yeah. considering all these, these hostages down there with guns to their heads. And they basically just open fire on these hostages <laughs> with machine guns. All, all of these guys, right? They just start pouring rounds down at these pirates. Everyone would be dead. You think so? They would have killed those hostages. They're pros, right? They're experts. How many people are that good at shooting automatic machine guns like that? Obviously, Sylvester Stallone is. Well, yeah, I mean, except Sylvester Stallone. I mean, he's he's the one pro in the world. Well, the one guy that was on The Expendables who was a loose cannon on a teetering deck was Dolph Lundgren of all people. I was shocked. He lost his mind. He lost his cool. He was bloodthirsty. He had the world's most powerful shotgun. Yes. It was like a Taurus judge times a billion. It was like a cruise missile came out of a handgun, basically. But he shot the guy, right? And it, it ripped off his abdomen from it's, his body. It cut him in half. His yeah. torso went flying across the room. Right then and there, that set the tone for this movie. I laughed out loud when that guy died. I was like, whoa! I was like, alright. This is the kind of movie we were watching. I was like, alright, I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, it, it's very much like a video game from minute one. Let me ask you about this. Something about this movie that I didn't care for. CG blood. This is something that I think first appeared during Rambo, the last Stallone movie. Okay. CG blood. Did you notice it? I didn't notice it, actually. I couldn't help it. It was everywhere. Whenever somebody got shot by a tourist judge, <laughs> blood would splatter out, but it was very clearly fake CG blood. Hmm. It reminded me of YouTube videos that I've seen. Like, oh, I didn't like even Amateur filmmakers it. do that stuff. So they kill all these pirates pretty much. If they didn't kill them, they're critically wounded. <laughs> and- those pirates made a fatal mistake, right? Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> and Dolph Lundgren, he goes a little nuts. Yeah. And he grabs one of these guys that I guess is wounded, but not quite dead. And he's about to hang him. It's good to hang pirates, he says. I'm not going to disagree with him. Yeah. Look, it's time we send a message to these pirates. Don't tread on us. Wow, okay. But Jet Li, he was not happy with this. Jet Li took the moral high ground. He sure did. He's the moral compass. Yin-yang. He, yeah, he's the yin-yang. So he's he's the yin to Dolph Lundgren's 
Yang here. Yeah, so Jet Li goes toe-to-toe with Dolph Lundgren. I mean, these are two towering figures. One's a giant, the other one's small, but it's quick. Yeah, I mean, Jet Li's pretty quick, but Dolph Lundgren looks like the Hulk next to him, doesn't yes. he? He was massive. When people talk about MMA, mixed martial arts, this is the kind of thing I want to see. Truly a mixture of two completely different styles of fighting. One giant guy versus a little guy, and they, they battle it out. That's what I want to see. I want to see human cockfighting. That's the early days of the UFC, when they didn't make any money and were outlawed in like 49 of the oh, states. Oh, those are the glory days. <laughs> Can we go back? Yeah, so uh, Dolph gets the better of Jet here, right? I mean, he's he's got a knife to his throat and Sylvester Stallone shows up and he's got to put a gun to Dolph's head. It's obvious these guys are teammates, but they're all their own man, right? Yeah. And Sylvester Stallone, he's he's kind of in charge. So um, he gets Dolph to step down, take the knife off Jet Li's throat, but clearly some damage has been done there. So when they get back to America, Sylvester Stallone has no choice but to fire Dolph Lundgren for his insubordinate behavior, I guess. Were you broken up? Were you shocked? You know, I wasn't broken up, but I was shocked. I mean, these guys are a bunch of lunatics. You'd think that they would go off on each other all the time, but I guess not. I guess they're a close-knit ragtag team of boys being boys. Yeah, they're like a fraternity. You know, it's the brotherhood of the wolf. They're <laughs> amazing. Oh, so we get a little peek into the Expendables life. I mean, in reality, we get a peek into like two of their lives. The other guys just recede into the distance and they disappear for the rest of the movie, right? Terry yep. Crews, Jet yep. Li, they are gone. Mm-hmm. This is Stallone and Statham's movie. Yeah. The other guys are one too many, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. They were unnecessary. Which makes me curious about The Expendables 2. Do you think they fixed this problem or is it just the same thing? I mean, they added Chuck Norris to the mix in this new one. Yeah, something tells me he's not like a star. No? <laughs> no, I'm thinking he's just a, uh, a co-star. He's one of these guys in the background, I guess, that's called on when needed. Well, we come to find out that Jason Statham has some girl troubles. Sure does. And this movie delves into this subplot, which I think is one trillion percent unnecessary and pointless. This I found enjoyable, actually. The one thing that was crap you thought was great? Yeah. What does this add to the movie? It makes Jason Statham a likable guy. Okay. Makes him a human being. The rest of them aren't. I guess not. But what does it all amount to? It doesn't really amount to anything. Jason Statham has a girlfriend, or he had a girlfriend. When he comes back home, he's been away for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. When he comes back home, his girlfriend, played by Charisma Carpenter from Buffy. She's moved on. She got another guy. Yeah. Sorry, bro. It's Statham. He's a pro, right? He's, he knew this guy's no good immediately. Yeah. As soon as he took a look at him, he knew this guy's a dirtbag. He said, guy's no good for you. Yeah. Before he left. How do you know? How do you know? He's an expert profiler? I guess so. I don't know. This is the first time I've seen Charisma Carpenter in 15 years. The has got another job. You know, one more caper. You know, just one more for the road. Yeah. He goes to meet the mystery contact who's got the job. They go to a church and lo and behold, but who's there? Bruce Willis. He is the main contact guy here. Oh yeah. And Bruce Willis, he didn't know who to give this job to. He wanted to have like a little competition competing against two different mercenary groups. So on the left is Sylvester Stallone, but on the right, who else should arrive? Arnold. Now this would have been way cooler if they didn't spoil this in the trailer. This whole scene is like in the trailer pretty much. I didn't remember it. You forgot about this? Yeah, completely. So what was your reaction? I didn't care. This is, it's 2010. If this was 1991, yeah, maybe this would have mattered, right? Oh, you're so jaded. This doesn't matter anymore. They're all so old. 
old. But isn't that the draw of this thing? Isn't that the whole point of this thing exists? Like the spectacle, the nostalgia, having all these guys in one place. If that's the case, I'm not the target for this. Yeah, me neither. It's people Although, older. The, yeah, I guess so. I think this movie is for guys who were in their 20s in the 80s, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what this movie's for. Yeah. Absolutely. For our equivalent, like the dudes like us who would go to the movies all the time in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So if they were going to make an Expendables for us. Jeremy 20, Renner. Okay, who's going to who's gonna be in our Expendables in the future? Jeremy Renner. Okay. Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon. Daniel Craig. Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Jason Statham again, right? He would have to be the leader of the new Expendables. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I'm trying to think who else there'd be. Oh, Gerard Butler, maybe. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I'd be happy to have that guy in another movie. Okay. 20 years later. You know what? Make this a, like a, a franchise. Yeah? Do it every 10 years. Just keep going with it. Yeah, all the old action stars. Yeah. Give them something to do. Yeah. Oh, The Rock's got to be on this team of the future Expendables. Yeah, but not he, 40 years from now. Oh, okay. The Rock's still going to be kicking ass. That's who we're 20 years from now, right? Not until The Rock's an old man in a wheelchair the, and he be on The Expendables. When he's 80, he'll be eligible for The Expendables. Well, when he's 80, then he'll finally be on the level of Stallone, like, yes. physically yes. wise. <laughs> <laughs> 80-year-old man still kills the Yeah, this whole scene in the church, this was some of the worst dialogue I have ever heard. Explain yourself right now. So I took some direct quotes down. Please, enlighten me. You guys aren't gonna suck each other's dicks, are ya? There's a little backstory behind that quote, apparently, in the research. Really? Enlighten me. Bruce Willis did that as an ad-lib. Stallone initially was a little hesitant to keep that in, but cooler heads prevailed and he kept it in. It felt so out of place. That should have been cut. Yeah? And then the, the, the farewell. How about dinner? Sure. How about in a thousand years? <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, really? This is this isn't a script. A major Hollywood production script. I was laughing Stop and it. laughing That's and laughing. How stupid it was. Not at the line. Let me tell you. I was moving and grooving oh on the gosh. floor, laughing and laughing. My teeth are like chiclets. <laughs> Flying through the air with a great I am embarrassed for you. Okay, here's a little sneak peek into the next Yes, That Bad After Dark. One of Kevin's shocking, and I do mean shocking, deep, dark secrets about his checkered past. Skeleton in my closet. This guy's never seen Terminator 2. So you don't have affection for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I guess so. Not even Predator. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah Predator. Who's good in Predator? I like Predator. But what does that have to do with this terrible line? Everything! No, it has nothing to do with it! it. everything to do with it! You couldn't just write a better line? You just don't get this movie. You oh don't my gosh. get it. You're kidding me. You don't get it. Having these three dudes in the room is the movie. It's the whole point. It's having these ex-action dudes in one place screwing around. So it doesn't matter what they say. No. They just can say whatever they want. This movie's bulletproof. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When Arnold looked at Stallone and said, why don't you give my friend the job? He loves playing in the jungle. My side split open. All right, I'll agree. That was a good line. Explosive laughter shot from my mouth. (laughs) My TV shattered from the piercing laugh I emitted. All right, that was a good line. Okay, so they decide to take the job and Jason Statham and Sylvester Stallone go on a scouting mission to this South American island, Valencia, Valunia, whatever, who cares you. So they go to this fake country run by this dictator general guy and they're there on deep cover as if they're working for a bird conservatory. I gotta admit, we spend a lot of time on this island with just the two of them. Uh I like this stuff. I'm running on a four out of five with this. With them running around, having adventures, laughing it up, tickling each other's asses. (laughs) 
It's hilarious. I missed that scene. <laughs> yeah. The action scenes weren't bad. Yeah, when them kind of on the island, scouting things out, it wasn't bad. So they're on this island and they're there to meet their contact. And usually in these kind of movies, their contact would be some grizzled fat guy or something, you know? Yeah. But instead, it's a smoking hot Latina. Walks through the doors. Mm-hmm. Jason Statham, he's smitten. Sure. Falling in love. Yeah, absolutely. What'd you think of her performance? She was okay. I don't, I don't know who she is. She's like a nobody, right? Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't bad. I believed her. Yeah. She played the part really well, I thought. She stands out because she was acting. Yes. Wasn't a lot of that going on here. So eventually, Stallone and this woman, they get ambushed by the military. They do. And, uh, but luckily Jason Statham is in the distance, had their back. Uh-huh. Come, why don't you describe this sequence? So this military truck rolls up with 500 soldiers in it. Trillion. Five trillion. They're all armed to the teeth with yep. machine guns. Tourist judges. They... Machetes. They roll out. Machetes strapped to tourist judges. <laughs> <laughs> They've all got hand grenades with the pins already pulled out in their hands. <laughs> they surround Sylvester Stallone and they're caught this girl contact and they go to arrest them. And somehow, with Statham throwing a knife from the forest. Statham's on the other side of the island, right? <laughs> He's back on the mainland. <laughs> he was back in America. He threw a knife from New Jersey. It just went across the ocean and hit this guy in the head. He had to have taken out 40 soldiers with one knife throw. Yep. Somehow, these two, without any weapons or anything, overtake all of these guards who all have machine guns. Why didn't these guards just shoot them? Because they might have hit the general's daughter. There wasn't a single shot fired yeah. from any soldiers. It turns out that the contact is the general's daughter. Yep. They might have accidentally hit her. Who knows? This joke. was the best fight scene in the movie, right? This is probably the best action scene in the movie. Okay, yeah, I'll give it to you. This is the best one. Yeah. Because you can clearly see what's happening, as opposed to what happens later in the movie. Yeah. You can very clearly follow this, mm-hmm. and it's just fun to see these two guys just dismantle an army of soldiers. It's just like that's how badass these guys are. Only, it only takes two of them and just obliterates these guys. Like, it was just too unbelievable. It was just This whole scene was just ridiculous that all these guys with machine guns. You're asking for too much out of this movie, I think. Did you know that going in, this is what this was going to be? It's been two years since I saw the trailer for this. I, I don't remember. I mean, I knew vaguely what I was getting into, but I don't know. There couldn't there have been two soldiers? Three? No. Even four would have been believable. Not the 500 that were in that one truck. <laughs> It was like a clown car that just kept spilling out. It absolutely was. So th- they kill all these soldiers, and but reinforcements are coming, so they got to get away. So they all jump in this girl's truck. Stallone's driving, and as they're being chased, Stallone navigates the tiny alleyways and streets of this island as if he's lived there his entire life. How did he know where to drive and where to go? How did he know any of this? What was the girl driving? Wow, that's a really good point. He has detailed intelligence. <laughs> I don't know. Satellite? Satcom? Yeah, he was just driving around willy-nilly, but he knew exactly the most efficient route to get back to that. It would have made more sense if Jason Statham was driving around. He is the transporter. I would have bought that in a second. <laughs> okay, so they have to get back to the plane, and so Statham hops into the plane. He's going to pilot away. Stallone hangs back to give him some covering fire. Statham starts the plane. The plane starts moving at 10 trillion miles a second, and Stallone has to run to the plane and jump on it. Yep. The plane is like two miles away from the dock. Stallone makes a running leap. <laughs> He looks like he dives three trillion feet laterally. Just a horizontal leap. 
So this is, this is exactly what I was talking about. I was talking about that old man from Godzilla running down the dock. Yes. You can visibly see Stallone limping as he's running. He's not running full speed. I think they recorded him running. I think they like sped that up to make him look like he was running fast. Yeah. Did they put him like on a, on a green screen with his arms outstretched so they can CG him in <laughs> flying across the water? Yeah, as he flew 400 feet in the air to grab onto the airplane. I was riding along with the insanity of this movie, but that right there just snapped me out. I was like, what was... This was Superman. He's <laughs> flying across the screen. Oh yeah, but they get away. But as the plane's taking off, all the soldiers are there on the dock. Now, in any other movie, they would have just flown away and gone home. But that's not how the Expendables roll. Nope. No. Kevin, what do they do? So they decide to turn around. Jason Statham goes under the floor of of the cockpit and pops out on the nose of the airplane. This looks awesome, by the way. I thought. really cool. That's a really cool shot. There are machine guns set up on the nose of the airplane that are controlled from this little mini cockpit almost that's in the front of the plane. So they roll around and Statham just opens fire on all these soldiers <laughs> and slaughters them. I love this. I love this. But it's not enough. He's not done. Absolutely not. So as they're driving over and Statham's shooting these soldiers up, Stallone presses a button and starts releasing gas. Yeah, makes it rain. He Gasoline. pours gas all over them. Then Statham turns around and just shoots it, right? Yeah, with a flare gun. With a flare gun? Boom. The whole thing just lights up in flames. Come on, Kevin. This is awesome. This is pretty badass. This is... I love this. I was like, damn, that is so cool. It's like, you think that they're flying off with their tail between their legs. Like, no. I don't think so. We're coming back for more. This is, in my opinion, the best part of the movie. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with that. This was really awesome. Yeah. Very memorable. Original. I've never seen that before. Absolutely. Ever. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very fun stuff. I was clapping and cheering like an idiot while this is going on. <laughs> oh yeah, and when the dock explodes, Stone Cold and Eric Roberts, the explosion <laughs> blows them towards the camera. Oh man, my throat went hoarse laughing how <laughs> stupid that looked. <laughs> But when they get back home, Stallone figures out that this whole job is fishy. He realizes that it's the the CIA is trying to set him up. This is a big double cross waiting to happen, but he's not going to fall for the trap. He's seen some of these Yets I've had movies before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a double cross when it's coming. So he decides not to play ball and doesn't take the mission. We cut back to the South American island and the general's daughter is captured for being a traitor. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin is waterboarding her. Yeah. That was surprising. Yeah, we're told explicitly Stone Cold, women aren't off limits for him. Yeah, he'll kill him. He doesn't care. Doesn't care. He really is Stone Cold. Okay, so back home, Jet Lee. He wants more money for his family. He's got five kids to feed. Were you laughing and laughing and laughing during this stuff? No, I didn't really understand what was happening. He just kept saying it. Like, oh, every five minutes was Jet Li asking for more money for his family. Yeah. And the other guy's being like, do you even have a family? They laughed at him. They laughed in his face. Yeah. And Stallone said, I'm gonna go back to South America by myself. I'm gonna go rescue that lady I left stranded because it's gonna save my soul. Because Mickey Rourke gave him this soliloquy about his soul being lost or whatever. Were you in tears during that thing? That's what they were talking about. Isn't it? I was like zoning out. Oh, you fell asleep, right? They, you were 
snoring. They were talking and talking and talking. I was like, what's going on? Why are they talking? There's too much talking in this movie. Someone hasn't been shot with a tourist judge in like 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we watched Mickey Rourke paint a guitar for like 40 minutes, <laughs> I think. Yeah, well, they were talking about saving Stallone's soul, which is why he decides to go back to South America. And that's essentially what this movie's about, is one man's quest to save his soul by rescuing an innocent victim. Deep sure. stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Real deep. Yeah, real deep movie. Yeah, this movie was balls deep. <laughs> so he, he wants to go back to South America by himself, but Jet Li is like, you know what? No, I'm coming with you. He's a team player. So Jet Li decides to go with them. They're inside uh, Stallone's truck. They're driving around. Uh-oh. Double cross. Yeah, Dolph Lundgren shows up again. He switched teams. He's working with Stone Cold now. He's on the evil side. Yeah, I was just... This whole thing just really confused me. What's that? So why was he there? He knew that Stallone was going to that island because he saw the paperwork. Okay. So he went there by himself. He saw what was going on. He said, I want a piece of this. And he joined up. But why Why did anyone care? They were gone. Why are they going back to the mainland to get... Why not just continue your island operations? Why go back after these mercenary guys? They're gone. They're out of your hair. Why are they instigating them more? That's a really good question. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that they knew too much or they might come back. But that's a really good point. Why bother? You're really exposing yourself by sending an army of assassins back to America <laughs> to kill these guys. I really didn't understand what's going on. I really didn't. What do you think of this car chase, though, with the guns and the explosions and stuff? Yeah, it was pretty good. It was, the action scenes were really good. Yeah, Jet Li was shooting guns mm-hmm. on top of the car. He was moving and grooving with an Uzi. Yeah, I mean, the, the action scenes were good. There's nothing to complain about with, when it comes to the action scenes here. I'll complain about this next action scene. At the end of the car chase, Jet Li and Dolph Lundgren, they have their rematch. Mm-hmm. The way this was shot, I thought was a piss poor performance by Stallone's part as a director because camera was really close, quick cuts, shaky cam. I couldn't follow what was happening. Yeah, well, they were in really close quarters. It was dark. It was dark. This fight scene wasn't the greatest. Maybe, I mean, but maybe their hands are tied, right? I mean, this is, how tall is Jet Li? He have you more than like five foot seven, right? Yeah, well, he made a point about that. That's why he should get more money because he's shorter than everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's bulletproof logic, right? But I mean, Dolph Lundgren's got a foot and a half on him. Yeah. It, it might look ridiculous. In reality, shoot it that let's way. say this wasn't a movie in real life, but those two fought. Yeah. You're giving it to Jet Li, right? I mean, Dolph Lundgren's a bigger dude, but, but Jet Li is fast as hell, right? It's a really good I'd, I'd, like, I'd pay to see that fight. If that's a, it, Like, if they were fighting to the death, woo! they knew that the other guy was out to kill him. Like, Ivan Drago versus Jet Li. Yeah. To the death. L- Lee's gonna win that, right? He's so fast. He's gonna incapacitate Dolph Lundgren before he even moves. Wait, Dolph Lundgren's got reach, man. He could just, like, hold Jet Li's head away from him. That's a possibility, but then again, doesn't martial arts training teach you how to use the other guy's strengths against them? Yeah. So he would use that against them. Like, he's so big, he'd probably do all sorts of crazy stuff to you know, flip him over or knock him down or slow him down or something. My money's on Lee. just pick him up and throw him. He would never get to lay a finger on him. Never. Jelly would punch him in the throat we so hard he would die. We will have to agree to disagree again. <laughs> wow, okay. This On this one thing. I don't think it's as clear cut as you, you presume it to be. I think it'd be a good fight. Stallone versus Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. In this movie. Dolph Lundgren. Why is that? Stallone looks a mess in this movie. Uh, now, maybe that's a result of him having all these injuries, but he looked like he should have been in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, so Sylvester Stallone has to put a bullet in Dolph Lundgren's butt to bring him down, right? Shoots him. Yeah. And that's the end of him. I thought he was dead. He clearly said, like, I'm dying. Bye-bye. No, actually, Sylvester Stallone clearly says, I shot you four inches above your heart. Yeah? You're gonna be fine. You're gonna die, bro. <laughs> Make up for your sins and tell me who sent you. That's what he said, right? Repent, sinner. Yeah, pretty and, much. And he put a tourist judge in his mouth. <laughs> Tell him to tell him. And he pulled the trigger and he blew his head off. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what happened. If there's ever a movie that should have been sponsored by (laughs) Taurus. 
<laughs> it's the Expendables. There wasn't enough tourists judging this movie. That's my number one complaint. It loses one star rating for that. <laughs> Immediately. Okay, all right. Okay, so to make a long story short, Sylvester Stallone decides to finally go back to the island. All the rest of the Expendables are not going to let their brother go in alone. You know, they're a band of brothers. For sure. Yeah, so they go on this island together. The ragtag team is reunited. Everyone's there. This whole series of events, I dislike a lot. This movie was riding on a solid four for me. Once they got to this stuff, Mm -hmm. when like the the big action scene when all the Expendables come into play, I had to drop a star. This loses me completely. It's completely loses focus. The directing and the shots, cinematography go head first in the toilet, flushes itself into oblivion. Mm -hmm. It's so dark. It's so shaky. Everything is cut up close. I can't follow anything. There's this scene where the Expendables are in a basement and everyone's fighting. Like everybody's fighting. Yeah. I couldn't follow a damn thing that was going on in this scene. I'm Not gonna a say, damn thing. I'm going to say that's resulted the poor quality of Washington because I didn't have that much trouble following it. Really? Yeah, it was. It seemed perfectly clear and fine to me. Well, not just that, but on top of the fact that I thought the quality of just like the artistic value of it was bad, I thought what they were doing was boring. What they were saying was boring. It wasn't funny anymore. It wasn't interesting anymore. It kind of, you know, like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, like those movies that are parodies yeah. of a genre, but eventually they be, just become another part of the genre. Uh-huh. That's what this movie was. And it just became that. Yeah. And it just became like a boring 80s action movie kind of thing. The only difference was that it was more violent. So wait, you didn't enjoy the 15 to 20 minute long sequence of them placing C4 <laughs> on every pillar, wall, ceiling, floor, window of, of this 400 million square foot mansion? <laughs> There's a scene, there's a scene where Jason Statham and some other guy, I don't remember who it was, they're running down a hallway with these pillars and they're just laughing to see four on every pillar and the scene goes on for an hour. She's like, that that was the scene, right? The pillars are, there's like one to two feet of space in between each pillar. They have so much C4 on them. It literally is like a video game. Like they got unlimited C4. Four, the cheat co- code. Cheat code in GoldenEye. And they're just loading the place with C4. Where did all the C4 come from? They would have needed 18 <laughs> duffel bags to have all the C4. This explosion would have been seen from space. <laughs> like in stealth, the, the explosion from space. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it looked like. Oh, okay. Yeah. For the record, I love the C4 scene. That's one of, that's one of the highlights of this movie. <laughs> Uh, this was one of the few scenes where I was laughing, but I was laughing at it. I was just like, oh, was like are they still placing C4? <laughs> I, I was just like screaming at my television, like, where is all the C4 coming from? And then later in the movie, they're like, blow the C4. <laughs> Do it. They just put some talking about the C4. <laughs> C4 was like an uncredited co-star in yeah. this movie. During this final uh, daring raid, they have the general's daughter locked up. She's tied up. They're going to rape her. I guess is what they're gonna do a couple of rapists when they roll in yes yeah, so Stallone runs in he pulls out his butter knife <laughs> and, and he chops the guy's hand off clean off like it was a lightsaber it just comes right off he cut it like he had a steak knife cutting through a warm stick of butter <laughs> yeah. and then as if that wasn't enough he turns around and then slices the guy's head clean off <laughs> 
They really stepped up the cartoonish violence yeah. when we got to this part. He had an adamantium blade kind <laughs> of Wolverine. Well, this whole series of events I thought was uninteresting to me, like when uh, Stone Cold and alone fought. I didn't really care. This is when I was totally losing interest in the movie. Can you imagine that real fight happening? Stone Cold would murder him in 3.2 seconds. That's not even a fight. No, that'd be like a war crime. <laughs> <laughs> The one highlight of this stupid scene in the basement when they're all fighting. Oh, let's hear it. Was when Terry Crews just comes in with yes. this insane <laughs> rifle that's like shooting depleted uranium slugs <laughs> or something at people. It's supposed to be a shotgun. When people get hit with it, they just they liquefy. <laughs> It reminded me of the scene in Predator where Jesse the Body Ventura yes. was just shooting the minigun. Yep. It, it had that kind of flavor to it. Yeah, absolutely. That was the best part of the movie. Yet again, Terry Crews saves the day. Well, there was one uh, an, another cool scene that I thought was when they there was so Stone Cold had like a second in command to him. That guy with like the goatee. Okay. I, I don't know who that guy was. He was nobody. But he gets grabbed by a couple of the guys and Jason Statham kicks him in the face yes. and breaks his neck yeah, backwards. Yes. That was pretty sweet. You like that? Yeah, that's pretty good. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> so Stone Cold and Eric Roberts, they kill the general who's like in charge of this island. They take his daughter and they're kidnapping her. Why the hell are they kidnapping her? Well, I guess because he he knows that Stallone... Well, actually, he doesn't know that Stallone's there for her. No, he has no idea why they're there. He just assumes they're, they're there to kill him, right? Yeah. Why does, why does he kidnap her? Why does she matter? Well, human shield, right? I guess. He slowed them down. So they're exiting the building and everyone's screaming at Stallone. <laughs> Blow the steam! Four, blow the C4. <laughs> and Stallone, what's he do, Joel? He he puts it off for as long as possible, right? Yeah, he he was he was so worried about this girl. Yeah, yeah. But eventually he does it. He pushes the button, and then that army compound just incinerates. It reminded me of the opening to Godzilla when we saw the atomic bomb testing. Oh, just, okay. The whole thing was just engulfed in flame and smoke. Yeah, they really ratchet up the explosions at this point. The rest I, of this whole movie is just explosion after explosion. Yeah. It was tiresome for me. I got bored. I was like, I don't care anymore. Let's get this over with. At one point, it seemed like Terry Crews was just blowing things up. He was. He was just running around from tent to tent, throwing bombs and blowing things away. It didn't matter if there was anyone around. Oh, he very clearly, there was a part when he was running around and he threw a grenade into nowhere, into nothing. There yes. was nothing there. There was no one there. He's just like, eh, he just <laughs> tossed his grenade aside and it blew up. Yeah, you're right. Very video game-like. That's the kind of thing you do when you're playing Call of Duty. You just throw, toss a bomb. Yeah, it was almost like a level in a video game where like you're trying to set a high score so you just blow up everything around you to get some extra points. Well, Stallone finally has Eric Roberts cornered and something silly I think happens here. Stallone goes towards Eric Roberts but Eric Roberts shoots him but lo and behold a extremely fake CG knife that is not in the scene at all with them bursts through Eric Roberts' chest. It, it kind of floats around in front of him. <laughs> I guess what we're supposed to believe is that Jason Statham threw this CG knife at him from a mile away mm -hmm. and then Stallone shoots him with his gun CG blood shoots out in rapid succession fake knife fake blood <laughs> dead I thought this looked terrible really terrible yeah I mean it, Eric Roberts's reaction to all this looks really fake because it was all CG it looks really stupid this yes this whole 
not seen. Um, in the eighties, if they did this, they probably would have had some sort of spring loaded like suit that he would wear that had the yeah. knife blade in it. Yeah, and it would have popped out, and it would have looked awesome. And blood would real physical blood would have shot out. Yep. But they did this all on a computer, and it looked like crap. I thought this was a terrible. Yeah, it did look good. We also get treated to a Randy Couture versus Stone Cold fight, UFC versus WWE. This is terrible. This is Stone Cold garbage. Gets, this is YouTube quality. Stone Cold gets caught in the fire and he's on, on fire, like just flames on him. The CG flames look terrible. They couldn't just lather some stunt guy up in some flame retardant stuff. They and did it in Spawn, but they couldn't do it in this. Unbelievable. Looks so fake. It looks so fake. The sci-fi channel would have been embarrassed to have fire like that in one of their movies. Yeah, I agree. Terrible effect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Long story short, Expendables win. The go back home. Dolph Lundgren's back on the team. I thought he was dead, but apparently not. <laughs> the guys are all palling around. They're grab-assing. They're hanging out. They're throwing knives. Whatever. The end. Yeah, my, I wrote down at the end, boys will be boys. Right on cue to them starting to play. Boys are back in town. Yeah, the end. All right, so let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. This is truly a movie that nobody needs. Gratuitously savage, implausible, and sometimes incoherent. Claudia Puig, USA Today. Also, the predictables, the forgettables, and they kind of <laughs> look like the anabolic steroidables. <laughs> Richard Roper, richardroper.com. And finally, this is the brain-dead male equivalent of Sex and the City 2. Lou Luminek, New York Post. Wow. Okay, Kevin, this movie currently holds a 40% of Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? 40%? Yep. Mm. Better than stealth. Yeah, I mean, you know, this movie is... It goes by pretty quick. It was better than A-Team. I Definitely better than A-Team. That went on for an eternity. It did. Yeah, I mean, this is a quick view. It's, it's It doesn't really drag at, to- any, at any point. Like I said, this was probably the worst dialogue I've ever heard in a movie. And that's saying something. Are you comparing this to Hello, Vice Cardinal? Yeah, I am. We have the genophages. Yeah, I absolutely am. Wow. <laughs> I absolutely am. This the dialogue in this movie was terrible. It's on par with the greatest of Cameron Brights. Um, but the action scenes were pretty good. This was a competently made movie. And it was fun to see these guys beating people up and shooting people. I'm going to give it a three out of five. Oh, okay. All right. Not bad. I was completely dreading seeing this movie. I did not want to see this movie at all. Like, I was putting it off to the last possible minute to see it. I just did not want to watch this at all. Truthfully, I would have sat through New Moon again. Gonna watch this again. <laughs> That's how much I didn't want to see it. So you can imagine my surprise when within the first 15 minutes like I was laughing and enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. This movie was a breath of fresh air. Big surprise. Well done. I was loving it up until the last 30 minutes and then it just goes downhill so fast. I had to deduct a star. Three out of five. I'm surprised. I would have thought I was going to give this a one. Because really, I'm not the audience for this. Yeah. I don't care about these guys at all. But yeah, I was shocked. I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed it a lot. You know, th- that's what this movie did that a lot of the movies we watch don't try to do. It tried to be entertaining. Yeah, it was fun. And you have to give it credit for that. It had a good time, yeah. That being said, I have no desire to ever see the sequel. No? None. Oh, careful what you say, Kevin. We have sponsors now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's read some listener mail. Fozzie writes in 
and says, Hey guys, I'm a fairly recent convert to the show based on a recommendation from a friend. I just started listening a couple months ago, but I quickly burned through your entire back catalog, of which I celebrate every episode in that catalog. Although I disagree on a lot of your reviews, Godzilla for one, but I have notoriously bad taste. Anyway, I wanted to write in about some weird connections to your show. I was listening to the episode, The Darkest Hour, recently, when you got to the portion where you read what the real critics are saying. You read a quote from one of my best friends, Gray Drake, formerly of Movies.com. Gray and I have known each other for years, and I have guested on her podcast a few times, and she has also been on mine. When I told her about the shout-out on your show, she was excited and felt she had finally made it big time. And speaking of big time, I say Gray is formerly of Movies.com because she recently left that fine institution and is now the, I don't remember her exact title, so I'll make one up. She's the Executive Extreme Grand Developing Editor-in-Chief Grand High Priestess of a little website you may be familiar with, Rotten Tomatoes. So it goes to show you that we're all part of one great big communal podcasting blogger world. Keep up the great work. I think her formal title is probably Vice Cardinal. She's the Vice Cardinal of Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Tell her to put us on the on Rotten Tomatoes somehow. Make us a top critic on Rotten Tomatoes. How meta would that be? Whoa. Weird top critics on Rotten Tomatoes. That would be extra strange. Okay. Not Angela writes in and says, Hey guys, I was thinking about this while lying in bed last night and I have reached a decision of what Yes That Bad Triumvirate looks like. If I remember correctly, Joel and Kevin are the elder and Martin is the youngest. But for some reason, I always picture Martin as the mature and stoic big brother towering over the lesser Joel and Kevin with a manly stubble and werewolf arms. He is shirtless, constantly dripping wet from ocean spray, and wears a surfboard strapped to his feet. Maybe a high three out of five beefs. Joel is the mischievous middle child, youthful and charming, with an impish twinkle in his eye and a dashing quiff. He dresses casually in a t-shirt and jeans, four out of five beefs. Kevin is the baby of the group with chocolatey hair and a boyish face, permanently locked in mid-cackle. He wears K-Swiss sneakers and a tuxedo suit. A negative, <laughs> a negative ten out of five beefs, but a five, oh. out, but a five out of five on the adorable scale. Am I close? Spot on with you. Yeah, I think. What do you think? Uh, okay, I, I can take it. Pretty close. Yeah, I, I accept that. I don't wear tuxedos. So I don't you do wear K Swiss. I do. How did she know that? Did that come up? Yeah, I mentioned that my affinity for K Swiss. Oh, if you could be a shoe, what would it be? You're yeah. like K Swiss. Yeah. Jake writes in and says, "Hi, Joel and Co. Is a zero out of five a possible rating? Listening to the show so far, I've." Heard lots of ones, but no zeros. Does the lack of zeros counterbalance the lack of fives inherent in the premise of the show? Thank you for clarifying, Jake. No, Jake, there are no zeros out of five. One is the the loneliest number, and it's also the lowest score you can get as a movie. Yeah, Jake, the backstory of the one out of five system is because Kevin and I and the rest of our friends, back in like 2005, we were all on Netflix together. This doesn't always happen, right? No. But there was just a rare instance when we were all on Netflix together. All of the stars aligned for a brief window of time. And you may not remember this, but at the time, Netflix really pushed this whole communal aspect of it. Like, review the movie, tell your friends about it. What do your friends think about that? All that stuff has been completely erased from Netflix. That's gone. Mm -hmm. But it used to be like, if you review a movie, your friends will see it. And then then your friends can add on to your review and, and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. It gave you a reason to review movies on Netflix other than merely getting recommendations. Yep. It became like a game really to keep reviewing uh-huh. movies again. So the one out of five system that we, we use is taken from Netflix one out of five system. Tom 
writes in and says, Gentlemen, first, let me say I love the show. I really enjoyed the Batman Forever episode and your discussion of the mugs that were available at McDonald's. Well, I was a manager at McDonald's when the movie came out and I remember the buzz about collecting all four glasses. So I had the foresight to lose a case of each of those glasses. They have been sitting quietly in the basement for the last 17 years, just waiting for a use. Now, I'm pretty sure at least one of you is in Queens, New York. So if you guys would like these mugs, you can keep them or give them to your fans. I would be happy to let you have them. Keep up the great work, Tom. This is a tempting offer, huh, Kevin? Sure is. It's really not that difficult of a place to get to. Yeah, we don't live in Queens. We are, we're all in Jersey. Yeah. That would be tempting. I don't know. I wouldn't mind having a Riddler cup back in my life. Oh, yeah. Uh, PA in Boston writes in and says, Hey guys, during the Richie Rich episode, you wondered about your demographics and guessed that it's mostly male 20-somethings. My roommate and I are female 30-somethings, and we both love the show. The draw for us is she and I met working as production assistants in Boston, and you have featured a few of our former employments on the show. Hmm. There's a contest between us to see who has worked on worst films. She's winning, thanks to the box and the proposal, (laughs) but I'm confident that my resume of terrible Boston films will keep me competitive. By the way, as mind-numbing as it was to waste two hours of your life watching a bad movie, it's absolutely soul-crushing to spend six months working on the crew only to have the film suck. We look forward to more of your bad Boston movies on the show and keep up the hilarious podcasts. Hmm. That's a really good point. Like, if you're working on a movie, you get super psyched for it, right? But I tell everyone, hey, I'm working on this movie. It's coming out. You can see it and it sucks. Yeah, it turns out to be the proposal. Catwoman or something. I remember Syriana was filming in Baltimore when I lived in Baltimore. Yes. And I remember like being like there when scenes were being shot and stuff. So you were hyped for it because you wanted to see the location. And yeah, stuff. exactly. And I went and I was like, this is what I was excited about? Is this movie? Left a lot to be desired. Very disappointed. Okay, Kim, this next email is very long, but it's fascinating. Okay. Let me kick my chair back and put my feet up. Stephanie writes in and says, Hi guys, I'm a big fan of the podcast and I felt compelled to write in about your Godzilla episode. I'm a huge old school Godzilla fan and I was looking forward to your discussion about the horrible 1998 remake when I saw it won the viewer's choice poll. Just recently in college, I did a big Godzilla research paper focusing on the films from 1954 to 1971. In the field of Godzilla scholarly research, yes, this actually happened. Every author I came across had nothing but criticism for this movie. The first and arguably worst failure is that they placed the blame on the French for atomic weapons testing that created Godzilla. It's a huge part of the Godzilla story and world history for Christ's sake that the United States was responsible for nuclear weapons testing in the Pacific after World War II. The first Godzilla film in 1954 was a social commentary on the part of the Japanese about the after effects of these tests, representing the fallout as a radioactive monster. It is an unbelievable slap in the face to history itself to put forth this role reversal where the U.S. is the victim and the French are at fault. While the Godzilla series as a whole isn't very continuous, monsters frequently die only to come back at a later time, new ones appear out of nowhere, etc. This movie is so completely ridiculous out of canon. From what I can tell, most people don't even consider it part of the series. Even the Wikipedia page listed under a separate table in the rest of the films. While other American rehashes like Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Gigantus the Fire Monster are kept with the originals, they were not complete remakes, but had additional US-produced footage tacked on with predictably bad English dubbing added. This also ties into your riff about J-horror movies from One Missed Call episode, in that American remakes of foreign movies are not a new thing. They've been around since the 50s, and they were bad even 
happened back then. Gojira was a genuine horror movie in Japan at the time of its release. The stupid baby Godzillas are not exactly a new idea either. There are other baby Godzillas in the series, although none of them are born en masse from eggs. One is named Minya or Minya, and the other is called Godzilla Jr. Jr. Jr.? Question mark? You know <laughs> it's not explained how or why they're there, other than the fact that they draw children into the movie theaters with their cute appearances, turn a profit. Not much has changed on this front. 1998's Godzilla was a money scheme from the beginning, lost promotional tie-ins like Taco Bell campaign and the Stupid Chihuahua. The Godzilla series continued after the steaming pile of fail, and while I'm not familiar with the newer movies, I did see the most recent installment in 2004, Godzilla Final Wars. There's a little treat for those who suffered through the 1998 abomination. In Final Wars, Godzilla has to fight every monster from the franchise's history. Hostile aliens teleport him all over the earth to make him battle the other monsters, and he makes a stop in Sydney to beat Zilla, flinging him into the opera house and exploding the whole thing in a fiery inferno. The earth-roaming sequence is set to a truly majestic Sum 41 soundtrack with massive monster mayhem. It's on YouTube if you're interested. Sorry this email ended up being so long. I'm sure that was way more Godzilla history than you ever wanted to know, but I thought it might be helpful at least, or at least amusing. You have the good work and thanks for such a great episode. That was really interesting. He did scholarly research on Godzilla. Dr. Godzilla? Dr. Godzilla. He got his PhD in Godzilla studies. Fascinating. Yeah. And finally, Albatross writes in, Kevin, this is one of our donors, one of our sponsors, one of our patron saints. He has something very interesting and off-kilter request. Oh. Hey, I recently donated 50 bucks and I believe I get to choose a movie for you to review as a reward. That's all good and fun, but I would rather you do something else for me instead. It would bring me endless amounts of joy for you to ream Boondock Saints for three minutes instead. I understand that you already did a show about that craptastic film, but I'm too lazy to listen to it. And I'm too afraid that you guys may actually enjoy the film, which in some ways would be better because how cool would it be for you to trash a film in your podcast that you enjoy? I know I'd love it. If that idea doesn't work for you, then I suppose a three minute rant about how stupid backwards hats look would work too, especially if they have sunglasses perched on the back. <laughs> I vomit a little every time I see it. And if that doesn't work for you, then go ahead and try a show about Willow. It has like 46 on Rotten Tomatoes or something equally undeserving. It has the Kilmer in it. That alone makes it amazing. Keep it beefy, Albatross. P.S. If none of these ideas are worth a damn, go ahead and do whatever the hell you want. It's a great show. Kevin? Ooh, I don't know. What do you want to do? He gave us some options. He gave us some outs. He did. We could do nothing, which really appears to our laziness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just walk away and do nothing, right? That sounds like our style. <laughs> we did review Boondock Saints. We, yeah, that's done. I don't know that I'd want to trash it. I like it. I know Martin likes it. I liked it too. I'm not sure I could trash it for 30 seconds, let alone three minutes. Well, out of the possible options that you gave us to do, I guess we'll review Willow. Yeah, we'll we'll dabble in some Val Kilmer again. Can't get enough of that guy, right? I concur. I'm glad that we ended on this note because we have some news about the sponsored episodes at the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. You can reach us at yasthatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time for the question of the week, and the question of the week is a callback to something I said in the last episode. What is a movie that you feel really lucky to have seen in theaters? Head on over to yesthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce next week's movie. So this movie was sponsored by one of our listeners, Jenny. She donated generously, and she got to pick this movie. Mm -hmm. So 
we're going to follow suit and do another one of the sponsored movies next week. We will be watching Hollow Man starring Kevin Bacon. Oh, man. That's going to be something else, right? It sure is. So would you like to choose what movie we get to review? Head on over to AskThatBad.com, click on the Donate button, and we'll go from there. Now, we need to talk about the sponsored episodes because this has been way more successful than we imagined. Yeah, it really has. People have been really generous. Shockingly generous. And we have a number of people that we owe episodes to. Yep. So our original plan was to kind of sprinkle these in here and there. But since we have so many to do, we're going to crank through them. Yeah, we don't have a choice, right? Because if we did it the other way, we wouldn't finish until like next year. Yeah. Luckily, the movies make sense that for the most part that have been picked, right? Yeah, I don't think many of these movies fall outside what our film picking strategy has been up to this point. Yeah, so if you want to sponsor the show, feel free to do so, but know that your movie may not appear for quite some time. That's fair to say, right? Yeah. We're going to do whatever you pick for us to do, but please, you know, you've listened to the show up to 80 episodes now, so, you know, try to have your choice make sense with the way this show works, I guess. Is that too much to ask? I don't yeah, want to them. It's free reign. It's yeah, free, I, I don't want to. Free reign. I know, I know, but it's for, it's in everyone's. Free reign. It's in everyone's best interest. If that it's you, on Netflix, <laughs> we'll do it. It's in everyone's best interest that the movie makes sense with us. Like, you know the kind of movies that work with us. So keep that in mind when you pick your movie. I, I don't think that's too much to ask for. You're asking too much. I think so far people have done that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Our listeners are amazing. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Pros. Okay, so I'm going to put up a page on YasThatBad.com with all the sponsored movies we've gotten so far. If you go to YasThatBad.com on the top, you'll see a link that says Sponsor. There you'll see a list of all the sponsors and the movies that they picked and the order that they're going to appear in. So for the first time ever, there's a schedule. First time ever in YasThatBad history. So you can plan ahead and watch these movies way ahead of time now. It also means we're planning ahead. Which has never happened. Which is really strange. Never ever happened. We need to come to grips with this yeah. internally here at World <laughs> Headquarters. <laughs> yeah, it's a seismic shift. A paradigm shift. This is a game changer. <laughs> yeah, so when you click on that sponsor link, you'll see what the upcoming movies are going to be and there'll be a link so you can sponsor us. Donate 50 bucks and we'll do a movie just for you. Okay, to recap, next week's sponsored episode will be Hollow Man starring Kevin Bacon. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Our latest premium podcast, The Last Airbender, is available for download at yeahitsthatbad.bandcamp.com. That is the best way to help out the show because that literally pays to keep the lights on in this place. Yeah, I like it much better with the lights on. We used to have to record in the dark. And the, yeah, I couldn't afford to have all these things running at the same time. <laughs> help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yeahitsthatbad. You can follow us on Twitter at yeah, it's bad. You can follow Martin at Yeah, it's Martin. You can follow Kevin at Yeah, it's Kev. And you can listen to the podcast on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at stitcher.com slash yeah, it's bad. Once again, that's the end of the show. See you next time. <laughs> oh my God. I caught Martin's disease. <laughs> It's spreading so quickly.